Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. Thank you for streaming today's message. Happy New Year. The message you're about to hear is a message we shared on New Year's Eve. I believe this message will encourage your faith and help you experience the extreme goodness of God. Once again, thank you for streaming today's message. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, our Apple Podcasts, our Spotify. And if you're newer to our broadcast, you can find more information about our ministry at FCCGA.com. Enjoy today's message. 3 John, verse 2, and we're going to start here tonight. I've been sharing over this on and off over the last few months. I remember in, I believe it was October, I had to go to this event really, really early in the morning. And you say, well, how early was it? Traffic hadn't started in Atlanta yet. That's how early it was as I was driving through Atlanta. And I'm driving there, you know. How many of you are morning people? Then you won't relate to this. How many of you are not morning people? You'll relate to this. How many of you wake up really early in the morning? It's like, I'm just trying to be, I'm trying, Jesus. I'm trying to be spiritual. I'm trying to smile. It's a, it's a work right now, but I'm trying. So I'm having one of those moments in the car as I'm driving. And just, okay, God, I should be spiritual. Let me pray. And as I turn to pray as I'm driving, he starts talking. He says, 2023, a year of contradiction. And I'm like, got my attention on this early Friday morning. A year of contradiction. And here's the contradiction. It's a year of extreme goodness and the provision of God in the midst of the extreme depravity and lack of man. It's a year of the extreme goodness and provision of God in the midst of the extreme depravity and lack of man. Because the thing is, we live in a nation where we have a lot of wonderful benefits and blessings, a lot of good things, a lot of bad things, but there's a lot of good things. And we would have thought before 2020, we're a pretty healthy nation. But one year revealed, we're not as healthy as we thought we were. And we saw some things that let us know we're not as far advanced as we like to be. And there are some things in 2023 that we'll see that reminds us that man by himself ain't got it. Mankind by themselves needs help. Or it's another way to put it, mankind needs a savior. And so in this year, there are challenges on the horizon. You might have thought at the beginning of this year, there's no way we'd be on the brink of a geopolitical, almost global war. And yet, that's what we've been dancing around the last 10 months. You would have said, no, that couldn't happen. That was done in the early 90s, yet here we are again. There's so many things that happen in this year that if you told someone on New Year's Eve, you're like, there's, there's no way that can happen. And yet, it happened. And so, we're going to see some things in 2023 that's going to show us the extreme lack or extreme inability of man, as well as the extreme depravity can be found in mankind. But it's a time of Goshen for us. That although the depravity is running amok, although the lack is running amok, that is not our focus. Our focus is on the goodness of God because we dwell in Goshen. We dwell in the secret place. You know that Psalm, Psalm 91, dwell in the secret place of the Most High God. When you abide in the shadow of the Almighty, if you go through that Psalm, it says you're, you will only be a spectator, is how I like to say it, to the reward of the wicked. You'll see it, but it won't touch you. You'll comprehend it, you'll understand it, but it can't get on you. 
you have to be cautious with your thought life in 2023. Because the enemy will come for your thoughts and it's going to happen to you. It happened to that person. It happened to that person down the street. It happened to this person and Sue and all these people. It's going to happen to you. It's like, no, it's not going to happen to me. Why? I live in Goshen. I'm in the secret place of the Most High God. Then he'll remind you about some stuff you went through and say, it's going to happen again. He's like, no, no, it's not going to happen to me again. Why? I have a redeemer. I have a savior. I have a deliverer. I have a provider. I have a healer. I have a caretaker. I have a protector. I have a God. He's got me. You're going to have to fight the enemy's mental attack with your words of faith. That's one of the reasons we give you this confession to say every single day, you're going to have to fight the good fight of faith. It's not, Christianity is not the belief system of the weak. It's the belief system of the strong, of those who lay hold onto the anointing and become strong. That although you may feel weak, but because you know who's on the inside of you, because you know he put glory in you, you say, I am strong. You have to watch what you think. You have to watch what you say. Be careful who you agree with. You can't just agree with everybody just because they're your favorite politician your favorite social media influencer, your favorite entertainer. You can't just agree with them. You may be in this uh, meeting at work and everybody says, oh, it's just such a bad year. Don't you agree with that? So I'll look awkward. Just be awkward then. It's, whether, it's better to be awkward and blessed than fit in and cursed. Watch what you agree with. Third John, verse 2. So we said this is a year of contradiction. It's a year of the extreme goodness and provision of God in the midst of the extreme depravity and lack of man. It's a year of extremes. It's a year of Goshen. And so the message I have for you tonight is not a deep message, but it's a message to help you focus. Third John verse 2 says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prosper. Notice this desire, this prayer, this wish, as it says in other translations. Prosper in all things. The desire of God is that you prosper in all things and be in health. All things. Say all things. What's left after all? So that means he wants you to prosper, yes, in your finances. But he wants you to prosper in your relationships. He wants you to prosper in your mental health. He wants you to prosper in your physical health. He wants you to prosper in your family. He wants you to prosper in your career. He wants you to prosper in every single area of your life, and he wants you to be healthy in every area of your life. This is the desire of God. Why? He's good. Go with me to John 10, verse 10. John chapter 10, verse 10. God is a good God. So say it with me out loud and put it in the chat if you're watching online. Say, God is a good God. John 10, verse 10. Of course, my notes in the YouVersion Bible app and on the Faith Plus app as well. It says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. So we know that word thief means a pickpocket. The way Satan likes to steal is through distraction. So if he can get you distracted, he can steal from you. So if you find yourself always distracted, just know Satan's stealing from you. 
if you see yourself always offended and unforgiveness, no Satan's stealing from you. If he can get you unfocused on what you should be focused on, he's stealing from you. He's a pickpocket. That's the way he prefers to steal. That's the way he prefers to operate under a cloud of darkness and deception, and you don't even know it's him. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So it's very simple. The devil is a bad devil. That's not deep, but it breaks someone's religious belief that Satan wants something better for them than God does. So say it with me. Say, the devil is a bad devil, but God is a good God. You might say, well, this is a kid's world message, but it needs to be an adult message. Say, God is a good God, and the devil is a bad devil. See, Jesus made it really clear right here. He said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. The Amphite Classic Edition says, I came that you might have and enjoy life. So if you're not enjoying your life, you ain't doing it right. That you can really live for Jesus and be holy and enjoy your life. There are a lot of people who are holy, but they have no fun. And there are a lot of saints, or should be, they call themselves saints, and they're having fun with the world, and they wonder why they get the world's results. You can be holy and still have a great life. Jesus said, I came that you might have life, life as I have it, have it more abundantly, and enjoy this life. This is what I came to do. Satan comes to steal from you. He comes to kill. He comes to destroy. So very clearly, we see God's desire is that you prosper in all things that you be in health in all things, that you enjoy your life, that the life he has given you. Because think about this, he's given you one life on this earth. You really think he wants you to start enjoying it when you get to heaven? Yeah, you're going to enjoy heaven, but why don't you have some heaven on earth? Go with me to Psalm 100, verse 5. God is a good God. As we would say all the time, God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. But there's so many people who are challenging that belief because they see things go on in the world, see things happen in their life. Well, how can God be good when that happened? It's very easy. There's a bad devil loose. And there are people who agree with the devil. And then also one of the things about this earth, because of Adam's sin, this earth has been empowered to fail. So this earth will do things that result, that come from the curse because of sin that's on the earth. So why do bad things happen? Because of the way the world is. And sometimes bad things happen to good people because good people do bad things. Anybody ever do something bad before? Because see, a lot of people say, oh, it's a hater. No, it might be something you sold. Not everything that shows up in your life is because of a hater. Some things are just harvest, another H word. Psalm 100, verse 5. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Say, for the Lord is good. Go with me to Psalm 107. Psalm 107, look at verse 8. Psalm 107, verse 8, let's look at this. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his what? Goodness. And for his wonderful works to the children of men. 
for he satisfies the longing soul and he fills the hungry soul with what? Now, if we stop right there, we think, well, God is only good to the good people. But can I punch your religion real quick? Go to Psalm 145, verse 9. Psalm 145, verse 9. New Living Translation. Psalm 145, verse 9. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all his creation. See, Jesus said it this way in the Gospels. That he says, your heavenly Father causes the sun to rise on the just and the unjust. He said he calls it to rain on the just and the unjust. And when people hear that, it's like, oh, a rainy day, God sends bad things. No, 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 this is an agricultural society in the Middle East. Rain is a good thing. I said rain is a good thing. So God sends good things to the just and the unjust. God sends blessings to the just and the unjust. Why? For the Lord is good to everyone. Say, God is good. He is good to everyone. Let's go to Psalm 31, verse 19. Psalm 31, verse 19. Notice what it says here in Psalm 31, verse 19. Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you and the presence of the sons of men. The New Living Translation says it this way. How great is the goodness you have stored up for those who fear you. You lavish it on those who come to you for protection, blessing them before the watching world. So God is good to everybody. But one of the things we see in the scriptures, there are degrees of goodness. There's levels to goodness, or even other scripture ways say there's weight to goodness. That he's good to everybody, where there's some people he wants to pour out some weighty goodness on. There's some people he says he has goodness stored up for, laid up for, reserved for. Who is it? For those who fear or reverence God. Those who trust in him. And so if you're a person who reverences God, if you're a person who puts your faith in God, God has goodness laid up for you, reserved for you. Goodness with your name on it. And if he has that with our name on it, we might as well know what that word goodness means, shouldn't we? This word goodness means prosperity good things, property, supply, provision, good in the widest sense of the word, good to the farthest extreme. This word goodness means prosperity, good things, property, supply, provision, good in the widest sense of the word, good to the farthest extreme. So this scripture says, oh, how great or how exceeding is your goodness, your prosperity, your good things, your property, your supply, your provision, your good in the widest sense of the word, your good to the farthest extreme, which you have laid up for those who reference you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you. There is goodness prepared for you. 
if it's prepared, do you have to prepare it? It's like we just, we're coming out of the holiday season. And some of you just walked up some tables that were prepared by somebody in your family. Some of you did not cook a thing. You may not even wash the dish after it. You just showed up with some to-go plates. It was prepared. All you did was eat it. Or all you did was receive it. God has goodness prepared for you, but you got to receive it. Now, how many know you had to go to where that food was prepared? You couldn't just stay at home and say, well, that food's sure going to be good. I'm looking forward to that good food. I'm looking forward to all those things. You had to show up. There's something that you had to do. Say, there's something I have to do. Go to Psalm 65, verse 11. Psalm 65, verse 11. Psalm 65, verse 11. This whole month of January, I'm talking about the extreme goodness of God. One of the things the Lord has been talking about a few months ago was about the hundredfold return. If you've been with us a long time, you remember us preaching the hundredfold return decades ago. And I began to study and read. I would go through all the scriptures I mentioned. And I would read it every single day and start seeing some things about who the hundredfold return belongs to. And there are different types of hundredfold return. And how you can make sure that you get the one that belongs to you. So we're going to talk about that in January. We're going to talk about the recompense God has for you. Because it's part of the extreme goodness of God. Because some people, you know, they believe, okay, God is good. Okay, that means a little bit to me. But I need you to be the people who just believe God for every good thing he has. Not just those who so I'll see something good and I'll just call it good. Well, I woke up this morning, that's good. That is good. And we don't make light of that but he's got more. I said, he's got more. Yes, breath in your body is a good thing, but he's got more. Psalm 65, 11 through 12 says, you crown or you surround the year with your goodness and your paths drip with abundance. They drop on the pastures of the wilderness and the little hills rejoice on every side. This paints the picture that he surrounds the year with goodness. Another translation that he surrounds the year with harvest. If God surrounds your year with harvest, then you should surround your year with seed. I'll say that again. If God surrounds your year with harvest, you should surround your year with seed. That means we should be people who are continually sowing, not just during times of tithes and offering, but we should be a people who are a blessing to others. People who, yes, we're getting in the habit of doing random acts of kindness in January, but we should look for opportunities to bless people. We should look for opportunities to show God's goodness to people. We should look for opportunities to be the light of this world. God surrounds our year with goodness and harvest, but it's our job to surround our year with seed and to be good to others. I've heard it said before that if you get addicted to giving, God will support your habit. Go to Psalm 34. Psalm 34. We'll look at verse 8. 
We're expecting the extreme goodness of God. It says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. But notice the responsibility. It falls on the person. It is the person's job to go forth to taste and see. So there's some things that are not automatic. There's some things you need to go out and get. There is a responsibility you have to grace. There is some work required. As you've heard me say before, it's raining, but you must work your land. Grace is not a substitute for a poor work ethic. Grace empowers your hustle. You have to hustle under the grace of God. You have to work under the blessing of God. You have to go forth and do your part and expect the goodness of God. I'm not telling you to stay home and do nothing. Say, like, oh, this is my year of extreme goodness. I'm just going to sit on the couch and watch. And you're going to watch it pass you by. There is some work required. Say, I have a part in this. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There's no want or no lack to those who fear him. Notice that. Notice God's desire for you. For every single person that references him, he doesn't want you to lack anything. 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 What does Psalms 23, 1 tell us? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not. The desire of God is that you don't like anything. The desire for, of God is that you want for nothing. But you have a responsibility to go forth and do your part. It says, the young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. It reminds me of Matthew chapter 6, when Jesus says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What is that? Put God first. You put him first, he helps you take care of the rest. And we talk about this for months. How do you put God first in your daily life? You put him first by starting your day in the word and prayer. You put God first in your week by coming to church. You put God first in your finances by tithes and offering. You find ways in every area of your life to put God first. Because when you put God first, you experience his extreme goodness. Because remember what we said earlier, he wants to pour it out upon you in a way where everybody can see it. He doesn't want to just bless you where it's a secret blessing. He wants to bless you in such a way, as I believe it says in Jeremiah, that people tremble in awe with the goodness and the prosperity he's poured on his people. Because why? Romans 2 tells us it is the goodness of God that draws people to repentance. In Romans chapter 1, it lists all the type of sins people get in and where it was going to take them and the judgment and wrath that awaits. But when you get to chapter 2, it says the goodness of God leads people to repentance. And so in the midst of the depravity and the lack of man, they see you being blessed. They see the goodness of God on you. And what happens? They want to know your God. 
Go with me to Exodus chapter 33. We're still talking about the goodness of God. Exodus chapter 3. Excuse me, Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33. And this is Moses having an encounter with God. And at this time, God is speaking to Moses through a cloud. And it's the cloud of the glory. And look, if the cloud of glory was talking to you every single day, you're like, that's a pretty good experience. Some of you kind of satisfied, like, God, that's good. You show up every day in front of me with a cloud talking to me. I hear you clearly. I can see you. I'm pretty good. But that wasn't enough for Moses. While God is telling him about things, he said, please show me your glory. So what I see is good, but I want more. What I see is glory, but I know you have more. Notice how God responds to Moses' request. He didn't say, you should be satisfied with what I've given you. You've seen enough. You've experienced enough. That's not what he said. He said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. God called his glory goodness. And because Moses asked, God said, I'll let you see everything. You have to think, Moses, yes, mighty man of God, prophet of God, but he's under an old covenant. Moses wasn't washed in the blood of the Lamb. He wasn't filled with the Holy Ghost. He's not under the same covenant, yet he could ask God to see more, and he got his request. It says about Moses that everybody knew the commandments of God, but Moses understood how God operated. That Moses, and then you see later Joshua, they had access to experience God in a way because they were hungry. How hungry are you? Because for those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be filled. They said he fills the hungry soul with goodness. Depending on how hungry you are depends on what you're going to eat. Hunger will change your schedule. If you are hungry enough, you will find a way to eat. And some of you get hangry like me, and so you know for the good of everybody, you need to eat. A lot of amen into that. How hungry are you to see the glory of God in 2023? How hungry are you to see his goodness in 2023? Because that's going to change your priorities. That's going to set your priorities. Because there's some things for you to walk into the ways and things God has for you in your future, you're going to need to have the glory of God rest on you. And one of the things as we're walking towards this moment of the last few months has been in my heart. There are going to be some times, some experiences in 2023 where the glories has come in and rest on us. Because that's what we're going to need. There are some things, you know, I thank God for great doctors and psychologists and therapists and all the people who God is using in that field. I thank God for them. And I pray for them. You should too. But there's some things that won't be healed until the glory falls on you. That the glory of God comes in and fixes some stuff that you didn't even know how to process. That the best experts didn't know how to process. That you didn't even know how to release. Trauma that's been held up in you for a long time, wrapped tight in your soul. Because of uh, generational iniquity. But at one moment when the glory comes in and rests upon you, it sets you free. 
You don't even, you just walk out of the experience and say, you know what, it, something's different. You know, we heard testimonies from people this year, they just came to visit and they said, you know, I just feel lighter. I walked in, I guess I was heavy, but now I'm just feeling kind of free. No, they didn't know all the spiritual terminology and they need, didn't need to know. They just came into an experience and God moved. So we have to be people who let the glory of God rest on us. Because it tells in Isaiah, arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Because what happened when the glory rests upon you in these experiences? You go back to your home, you go back to your community and the glory is still on you. I said, the glory is still on you. See, Moses would have these encounters with God, and he'd go back to his tent, and the glory was still on him. His face would shine. People knew there was something different about that brother because he walked away, and he's his light bulb. This time for the glory to rest upon us, and we leave our gatherings, and people can tell there's something different about you. I think back to when we had Miracle Sunday in October and the glory of God that filled this place. And you know, some of the greatest testimonies I heard were from people who weren't even in, sta in the state. I got one testimony and someone said they had some type of issue going on in their body and as we were praying, they're at home and they fell out. I joked with Brother Eric, I said, I guess they had their own usher, an old lap cloth or something, they just fell out by themselves. And they said they got up healed. It went through their cell phone. It went through their computer and ministered to them. I shared this testimony online and posted it, and we've talked about it in some of our meetings. There was a young baby, I think they were born a little prematurely, and they had a number of issues in their body. And one of their relatives came, and they brought a picture of that young one on the phone, and we prayed. By the time they got home, that baby woke up. By Tuesday, they took all the tubes out of that baby. By Friday, they took that baby home. And a couple of weeks ago, I was able to dedicate that baby to Jesus. Not even in this state. It's time for more experiences like that. It's time for us to walk in this. Not just for the preachers to walk in this, but the business people to walk in this. For the educators to walk in this. For the artists to walk in this. For the content creators to walk in this. For wherever your career takes you, it's time for you to walk in this. Because this is what inspires you to be creative. I'm talking to you content creators and influencers and artists and musicians and songwriters. It's time for you to create again. You business leaders, it's time for you to be innovative. You educators, it's time for you to be able to handle some situations that people say, well, we can't address this within our system, but yes, we can because the glory of God is on us. See, let me give you a definition for this word glory. See, the glory of God is the splendor of God. The glory is God's manifested presence. Although God is everywhere, his presence is not manifested everywhere. The glory is defined as wealth, numbers, commerce, power, wisdom, promotion, superiority, dignity, authority, nobility, splendor, valor, magnificent, and extraordinary privileges. And that word glory we saw in Exodus can be summed up as defined as heavy with everything good. So when God's glory shows up, his goodness shows up. So that's how when God moves in a special way, you all of a sudden know what to do.
All of a sudden, the situation you believe to be fixed was fixed. The glory showed up. So we have to make room for the glory to show up in our experiences, but also in our everyday life. The glory is not just for the church house, it's for your house. The glory is not just for the church house, it's for the schoolhouse. Wherever you go, the glory goes with you. As we say in our confession every day now, you are a carrier of the glory of God. And you're going to have to learn how to release it. You're going to have to learn how to reach in on the inside of you and pull out the glory and show it. Jesus called your heart a storehouse. And one of the things we're going to cover in this series is how you can reach into your storehouse and pull out what you need. I shared this testimony a couple weeks ago on a Sunday that I remember years ago when I was still in training. And this summer I was in training, I think, I think I just became a minister, like a couple months before that. And so I was just licensed and I'm in training and I'm going around as pastoral care training. So all I do that summer is just different forms of pastoral care. And I remember it was a Wednesday night and I'm in Michigan standing on that gold line around the altar and I'm just watching the person who's training me. And they stopped and they said, well, Minister Carrick, do you have anything? And I paused, I closed my eyes and I knew I was looking inside myself and all I saw was the cloud of the glory. And I saw myself reach down into that cloud and pull out a word. And before I knew, I was prophesying over these people who I never met, telling them about things I didn't know, telling them about what God was about to do. And before I knew it, I laid my hands on them and they flew forward and I flew forward. The person who was training me had to catch me. But where did that come from? The inside. What am I telling you? There's something on the inside of you that you've never given God credit for. There are some things he's been depositing in you year after year after year after year after year, decade after decade after decade. It's time for you to take out and manifest it. It's time for you to show forth the glory that's on the inside of you. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Let's bring this down the home stretch. Say, there's glory on the inside of me. Let's say it again and put it in the chat. Say, there's glory on the inside of me. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. This is a prayer I pray for you all the time. And you need to pray for yourselves all the time. Ephesians chapter 1. Notice this prayer. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened or being flooded with light. What happens when your eyes of your understanding are open, enlightened, or flooded with light? that you may know what is the hope or the expectation of his calling, the expectation of his invitation, and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance, where? In the saints. The word riches means abundance. The abundance of the glory that's on the inside of the saints. He said, I'm praying that your eyes be open so you know what God has called you to do, what he expects of you, and that you know what he put on the inside of you. And the thing is, I'm not telling you God's going to put something extra on the inside of you in 2023. I'm telling you it's already there. Everything you need is already on the inside. It's time for you to take it and use it. God has put glory on the inside of you. He's put goodness on the inside of you. It's time for you to let it manifest through you. Or another way to say it, it's time for you to let God be good through you. You need to let the goodness of God flow through you. 
There's so many people, you've been under the word for so many years. You've learned so many things. You've received so many impartations, so many words. It's time for you to step in to where God has you. And you stepping in where God has you doesn't mean you have to preach in a pulpit somewhere. It just means you need to step forward in the call God has on you and let God work through you. Let God move through you. Let God work through you. Because you'll find yourself, I can find myself this year in places that didn't know I was going to be. Giving counsel to people that I would have asked to counsel me. And in situations that only God could have arranged. That when I look back, I said, did God open all those doors? That he did. And some things I haven't told you all about, but the door is wide open. Wide open. To do greater things in 2023. Wide open doors. And guess what? I'm going to walk through those doors. I'm swinging back. I'm going to slap some principalities. You mess with me, I got something for you. You have to take that attitude with life. If Satan dares attack you, you swing back. And you don't swing back with his tactics. You don't swing back with the flesh. You swing back with your faith. You're going to mess with me? I'm going to be good to somebody. I'm going to shine my light. I'm going to be the salt of the earth. You mess with me? I'm about to get somebody saved. You want to mess with me? I'm going to punish the kingdom of darkness. I'm getting my recompense. Because when light shows up, darkness flees. But you got to know what's on the inside of you. Go to Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Notice what Jesus did. This is Peter preaching a message in Cornelius' house. In Acts 10, 38, he says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So what did Jesus do with the anointing? He did good. We know what healing looks like, but it says he used the anointing to do good. His doing good was part of fighting against the oppression of the devil. That phrase, doing good, has philanthropic origins. And means Jesus was going around being a philanthropist by the anointing of God. I would say when he paid the temple tax for Peter and his by saying, go fishing, that, that would cover some stuff. But have you ever noticed that when we read Luke chapter 8, or let's say it this way, I don't have a lot of time to dive into it. Jesus was provided for his entire ministry. Don't you remember the Magi showed up and gave him a gift that was representative of how great a king he is? His family went on the run for at least three years on a trip consistently on a run that would have taken a fortune to survive on, yet they had it. And have you ever noticed that Jesus never lacked? Do you see a scripture where it says he lacked? No. I see a scripture that said he had a house. A nice one. I see scriptures where he's giving to the poor. Now, you can't be poor and give to the poor. 
And the way we preached, it was like, oh, Jesus must be broke. No, he wasn't. He was a blessing to the poor. He did it so often that at that last supper when Judas was leaving, they thought, oh, Jesus must have told him we'll give to the poor. Now, you only think that is that what Jesus does on a regular basis. And he had a treasurer. He had an accountant. If you have two pennies, you don't need an accountant. You don't need a treasurer. We all can see what's in there. That means Jesus was consistently managing a large amount of substance. Luke chapter 8 says there are people who travel with Jesus just to pay for stuff. And then when someone forgot to pack food, it multiplied. How do you do that? The anointing. The anointing. When they brought him that little kid's lunch, they brought him a Lunchable. And I says, what is it with all these thousands of people? He said, bring it to me. He took that Lunchable, gave thanks for that Lunchable, and then it kept increasing until it fed thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. He said, well, that's great. That was the hands of Jesus. Aren't you part of the body of Christ? If you're born again, it says you are baptized into the body of Christ. You've been made part of the body of the anointed one. His anointing is flowing through you. So it's time for some not enough to come to your hands. And when it touches your hands, it becomes more than enough. Because your God's name is El Shaddai. He is the God who is more than enough. And his anointing can flow through you and meet the need. You have to expect that anointing to show up. You have to expect that glory to show up. You have to expect that goodness to show up. You have to expect that power to show up, not just when you're at church, but when you're in your house, when you're on your job, when you're at your kid's school, wherever you go, you need to be in expectation of the goodness of God flowing through you. So what is one of the things we can do? Romans chapter 4. Say, I'm expecting the extreme goodness of God. Romans chapter 4. We've only talked a little bit about the goodness of God. A little bit about what God has for us in 2023. But as we round these things down, Romans chapter 4. Notice says about Abraham, who against hope believed in hope so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be, and not being weak in faith. Now, what is weak in faith? It says, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. What is weak faith? It is considering your circumstances. That word consider does not mean think about. That word consider does not mean not to look at. That word consider means to fix your mind on it. That word consider means to fix your mind on it. It's not saying that you don't know about it or that you ignored it, but that means if you consider it, according to the scripture, means that's all you think about. It says Abraham did not think about that he's 100 and Sarah is 90 and that there's no way they could have a baby. Now, I'm sure that would have occurred to him throughout the day, being 100 years old. But it says that's not what he fixed his mind on. That's not what he focused on. That's why your focus is important. What did he focus on? He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. That word waver means to be at variance between oneself. 
He didn't hesitate. He didn't doubt. He didn't go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. James 1 says the person's always back and forth, in and out of faith, won't receive anything from God. That wasn't Abraham. He didn't waver. He didn't fix his mind on his inability. He was strong in faith. What is strong in faith? Giving glory to God and being fully convinced or fully persuaded that what he had promised he was also able to perform. So while he was in his inability, there's no way he can have a kid. There's no way this could happen his own inability. But what did he do? He made a decision not to focus on what he couldn't do. He didn't focus on what he couldn't achieve by himself. It says that he gave glory to God, meaning he praised God. He gave God glory every single day. It's like our bishop taught us. Go to bed, get up, praise God. Go to bed, get up, praise God. Go to bed, get up, praise God. That's what Abraham was doing every single day. And that's made him strong in faith. And he was fully convinced what God said is coming to pass. And he showed it by what he thought about, what he said, and how he praised. And as we go into this year of extreme goodness, because that's what we're focused on. There's going to be a lot of other things. But where we're concerned, it's a year of extreme goodness. And he'll send messages like the message we'll hear from Bishop Butler tomorrow morning to help us be focused on what God wants us to be focused on. And as we stay focused, we're going to experience the extreme goodness of God. We're going to praise God like Abraham did. We're going to make sure we keep our mind right like Abraham did. We're not going to let the enemy distract us. When there's extreme goodness at stake, you've got to ignore that devil. Satan hates to be ignored, and you need to ignore him. He's loud. He likes attention. Don't give him any. You use your authority, you rebuke him, you bind him, and you keep moving. You consider your covenant. Don't you consider the contradiction. It is a year of contradiction. There's going to be a lot of things that show up that you could consider. But instead of considering those things, consider the goodness of God. Consider the extreme goodness of God. Consider the fact that the Lord is good to everyone. Consider that he has glory and goodness laid up for you. And consider that he's put goodness on the inside of you. So Psalm 107 once again, Psalm 107, verse 8, there's glory in you. There's goodness in you. God has extreme goodness and extreme things he wants to manifest in your life in 2023. But you have to taste and see that the Lord is good. You have to put your faith and your trust in God. You have to do your part. And you have to show up so that God can move through you. Psalm 107, verse 8. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. So it just makes sense as we close out 2022 that we give thanks for God's goodness. He's been good to us throughout 2022. But I'm expecting some extreme goodness in 2023. 
I'm expecting to run to some things that takes care of stuff that I've been fighting for years. That by the time we get to the end of 2023, we have a testimony of the goodness of God, a testimony of the glory of God, a testimony of how God turned things around, a testimony of how God turned the table, a testimony of how God fixed it for us. As we sang earlier, we'll keep singing. We'll sing of the goodness of God. So don't just sing it at church. Sing it every day. What you say and sing sets your expectation. Are you ready to experience the extreme goodness of God? Thank you for streaming today's message. We would love to get connected with you, whether it's on social media, on our Facebook, YouTube, Instagram pages, whether it's on our Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or whether you go to our website at FCCGA.com. We would love to get connected with you. We also put all of our messages on our YouTube channel as well as on our Faith Plus app. If you download the Faith Plus app, you find all of our messages as well as my notes for those messages plus thousands of hours of faith building content. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do so by texting FCCGA to 73256 or going to our website at FCCGA.com and giving there. Thank you for all those who are streaming this message and those who help us do what God has called us to do at Faith Christian Center. That is Ignite an Awakening that impacts Georgia and influence the world through the power of the love of Jesus. Have an amazing day.